drama, the pilot episodes, a contemporary Western psychodramedy in four parts. Drama, part one. Sometime in the new century, sometime after 9-11, sometime before the last downturn, after Y2K, before the Wall Street hell. Sometime after SARS, sometime before SARS-CoV-2. Climate is changing, but pretty slow at this point, so no one really cares. And there is money still in this world. Money spread around. Money again, money during this last gasp of a moment. Oil is $200 a barrel. So this is a perfect moment. At least in Alberta. At least in this rugged Western domain. Interior. Ballroom. Banff Springs Hotel. It's the 29th Banff World Television Festival. Luncheon pitch session, or a sundowner, doesn't matter. The place is filled with a Chardonnay-buzzed international audience. Mood? Oppressive. A young man in dress jeans, western dress jacket, boots and a bolo tie, steps into a pool of light. He's wearing a festival lanyard around his neck. The light is bright. It's in his eyes. Good afternoon. My name is Noah Birch, and I am very happy to be back with you at Banff this year to pitch my... Oil Wife. Oil Wife is a one-hour dramedy that follows the days in the life of this oil wife, Kelly Cutter, 35. It's set in a western boom town at the height of the boom. This oil wife has a beautiful life, beautiful family and a house on the ridge. But then one day, the oysters off the Pacific coast get all roiled up by a low-grade tsunami, and this oil wife goes out to her local oyster bar, tips back a five-inch Kumamoto with horseradish, and becomes infected with some kind of ancient mollusk toxin from the deep. It's like a magical drug. Kelly starts having these terrifying visions when she's trying on riding boots at Holt Renfrew or in the middle of her bikini wax at Fawn. She keeps flashing forward to a world where all the oil has evaporated and the power grid means nothing. A world without money or bananas or icebergs or Los Angeles. A world where the military government has released these genetically modified lions into residential neighborhoods to repair a top-heavy food chain. Each episode sees a growing gap between Kelly's real-life oil wife day and her freaky visions. And watching Kelly try to keep her shizzle tight during some fundraiser at the Petroleum Club is where the comedy rubber really hits the road, because she's trying to act normal when all she can see are these hardcore soft-kill events or coyotes being humiliated by these genetically modified lines on 4th Street when she's ordering her gnocchi and mercado or... or or disoriented ducks crawling up her sauna drain right when she's trying to ask her kids about their day at school. And these visions of hers could prevent the suffering of future generations. Except her family thinks she's just being kooky, like Lucille Ball or something. So she... she just... 
So that's the comedic part of it. That's the funny. I think you have to trust the audience. <sighs> the bright light snaps out. Imagine a map, a satellite map in green and black and turquoise blue. Imagine this map framed over the Americas. To the west, a rugged domain, big sky, fertile soil, Chinook winds, a land of freedom, beauty. Zoom in now on the core of this territory, a stylish frontier town laid down over bubbling crude. Oil men, oil women, monster houses, tiny jeans. Zoom down now, through the zen-scaped rooftop of one sleek boutique hotel, down through the terry cloth-clad bodies in the minds of travel-worn guests, and into one stone and larchwood poolside lobby. Imagine an infinite waterfall spilling from the mouth of a stone bear into igneous rocks lit artfully with pin spots. Imagine a concierge desk behind it. A little concierge. The little concierge looks to be 15 years old. Yes. Above her desk, there hangs a huge bison skull, which is actually attached to the bison's entire skeleton. Now we track through the maverick scene. Guests check their phones or whisper into them. They drift. Some wear long leather coats, some down jackets and toques. It's like Sundance, only more so. Good morning, Hotel Nakwaga. Enter Penelope Douglas. MD, PhD, chic trench coat, apple red suitcase, cherry red blackberry phone. I'm just checking in, Collie. I'll call you right back. Forensic psychiatry was Dr. Douglas's specialty back east. Forensic psychiatry, typically the assessment of an individual's fitness to plead in a court of law. In Penelope's case, the science involved the retroactive psychiatric analysis of persons, usually dead ones. That was Penelope's thing. 
Penelope Douglas was known for a time as the it girl of a hog town morgue. Foxy shrink with ice in her veins and an unearthly capacity to think the thoughts of the newly dead. Not afraid of bodies, this one. Checking in? Douglas. You're the new doctor. Psychiatrist. Historically, people move west more than east. People go east only when invited. When opportunity knocks. People go west when all bets are off. A reputation in ruins. A love gone wrong. When they need to save their sorry souls, folks head for the frontier. Welcome to the NAC. Hotel Nakwaga. Minibar. Small shampoos. Tabula rasa. Or, sorry, clean slate. Clean slate. And I'd like a taxi, please. A taxi and a soul. Oh, we don't have taxis anymore. You mean you don't call taxis anymore? I mean, in the city, there are no taxis now. Out with the tumbleweeds. Would you like an espresso, though? I need to get somewhere. We can rent you a car. I don't know the city. It's super easy, all on a grid. I don't actually drive. The limos are booked. Banff Television Festival. Festival... Penelope follows the little concierge's gaze up and out, through wooden blinds, between tall buildings, across ranches and plains. Right there in those mountains, folks come from around the globe, put on their boots and lanyards, shake hands and close deals. I don't have a license. I don't know how to drive. Oh. Well then, let me ask Justin. He shuttles actors sometimes. A lot of them don't have licenses either. Justin? I have a guest who needs a drive. She's the new psychiatrist. Once upon a time, Penelope Douglas was queen of her scene. No. Murders and suicides. Lake Huron. Eerie. I don't know. No. Now she's fled west to be part of the boom. She's here right now. The post-boom boom. Justin would be happy to drive you. He'll just be a minute. Perhaps I could bring you an espresso or a shot of something by the pool? It's October. It's snowing. It's 11 a.m. It's Alberta. Deck's heated. It's 11 a.m. As the little concierge leads Penelope onto the pool deck, lights morph. Dappled. Magical. Like light from a swimming pool on a dark October day. Now Penelope's on the move, in a boom-boom town, in a sleek hotel, boutique as hell. Oh my god. That's a bird. Yes. Yes, it is. My apologies. Is it dead? Probably not. Not yet. Would you... Would you like me to have it taken away? Or would you like to blow air into its tiny lungs first, just in case? In case? In case it simply had the wind knocked out of it after having flown into what it thought was an endless sky. Dr. Douglas? May I suggest blowing air into its tiny lungs? I'll catch something. Just don't mouth it and wash your hands afterwards. You'll save its life. It's a little swallow. No, it's a sparrow. Are you going to blow air into its tiny lungs? Of course. I'm a doctor. You don't need to mouth it. It 
Its lungs are so tiny you can just blow air at its tiny nose. Its nose? Those tiny holes in its little beak. Penelope kneels. She lifts the bird. Gently. Penelope brings the bird close to her lips, but can go no further. Dr. Douglas? Snow falls. Doctor? A coyote howls. Poolside, continuous, adjacent. The little concierge peels off her hotel uniform, revealing a bone-white sheath dress beneath. Calfskin boots. This is Fig. Interior, a Fig's world. It is lit by a giant ant farm. Eusociality. Eusociality. E-U-S-O-C-I-A-L-I-T-Y. Eusociality is a phenomenon common to certain insect, animal, and human populations, wherein roughly 10% of a population does not mate or procreate. Instead, the non-reproducing members function as protectors, reporters, scouts. In Greek, EU equals good. Ants are always at war. The survival of the babies depends on the cooperation of all its citizens, as though the soldiers are the body, the queen is the brain. Scout ants are regularly sent to spy for rival soldiers. If the scout is discovered by a rival, they will be swarmed and killed by the opposing army. But in their absence, there is a message to the colony. Beware. The scout has scouted, you see. The scout has been a good ant. I think it's wrong to call the dead dead. The dead are with us always, and they speak through us. Early evening, the office of Dr. Meredith Gordon, psychiatrist. Outside the window, a pink neon sign flicks on and off. It reads, Shrink. 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 In a shadowy corner, we see a red velvet bust of Sigmund Freud. Bit by bit, the office is revealed by the pulsing pink light. We see Penelope lying on a classic psychiatric chaise. Across the room, light slants across a huge mahogany desk piled high with classic psychiatric texts. Then we see the psychiatrist, Dr. Meredith Gordon, who is referred to by those of us who know as the Sage. Thank you for seeing me. The pleasure is mine. I wasn't sure I would be able to find someone so quickly. Well, the city's on a grid. I meant... I understand it's difficult here. 
to find a doctor. Yes, the boom. I don't quite know how to begin. You said you'd been having... Uh, difficulty sleeping. Did I? In your message. I did? Are you? I was very tired when I left that message. I hadn't slept. Are you... Am I... Are you suffering from sleeplessness? I... I thought you were a woman. Really? May I ask why? Your name is Meredith. Yes. A woman's voice is on your voicemail. Yes. I phoned Meredith and a yes. woman's... Yes, my secretary. Oh, sorry. Assistant. Well, had I known you were a man, I might have... I might not... It's all right. I, I'm a doctor. The sage poises his pen over his steno pad. As you know, I am also a psychiatrist. Yes. Until very recently, I held the government position. Yes. And how is your general health? Fine. Though I have some difficulty sleeping. Yes. As well, there has been a change in my there is some silence a clock ticks a disorder in Penelope smooths her skirt she stands goes to the window the sage looks at his watch my your digestion no your Wait? No. No, my... Vulva! No! God! There is a knock at the door. Excuse me, would you... Uh... There is a more urgent knock. The sage darts to the door. A handsome delivery man thunders through. Eight crates on a dolly. Well, I was just beginning to wonder if we were going to see you today. Ah, sorry, man. Traffic is brutal. Hockey game. I'm awfully sorry about this, Penelope, but if you don't get them when they're here, you might not see them again for days. He's right. The delivery man winks at Penelope and starts unloading the crates. Go on, Penelope. I'm listening. The sage poises his pen over his notes. Penelope just stares at the sage as though he is insane. Go on. Uh. It's all right, ma'am. I've heard it all. In one ear. I lost in my own And out the other. <laughs> I'm nearly through here anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, uh, j just a second, Penelope. Uh, thank you, sire. Sire. Thank you. And I'll sign for Dr. Rennick here, too. Oh, yeah. She asked if I'd look after this for her. That's right. Just while she's on holiday. Uh, Dr. Rennick is the psychiatrist across the hall. She's at her cabin this week. There we go. Signed and sealed. Good man. <laughs> hey, just smile more and you won't need this guy. <laughs> <laughs> the delivery man winks at Penelope. The sage winks at the delivery man. The delivery man winks at the sage. And then the handsome delivery man makes what looks like a commando close-range engagement secret hand signal motion. The sage closes the door behind the delivery man, checks to make sure it's locked tight. There. I'm terribly sorry about that. No worries. The sage cracks open one of the cases. Not the finest way to begin, though, is it? Never mind. 
Still water? Yes. Thank you. The sage pours. He does not hand Penelope's glass to her. Rather, he sets it on his own desk. The sage sits back, raises his glass. To your health. Thank you. Penelope slowly crosses the distance to get her glass. The sage leans forward, fascinated. Penelope does not look at him. Somewhere, a dog barks. Go on, Penelope. Penelope crosses back to her chaise. Please, go on. As I believe you know, my practice has, until very recently, consisted entirely of work with the dead. Yes. Forensics. Yes. Unfortunately, I was recently forced to... I felt that I needed to resign from my position at the morgue. I had what you... what we might call an episode. I don't remember the details, but the incident was... very public, very embarrassing, and on public record, which is why I'm here now, with you. My medical license has become conditional. But there is something else. Since that day, I have had... I have had no sensation in my... I feel nothing. The sage's phone rings loudly. It rings again. It rings again. Are you going to get that? I wasn't, but... The phone rings again. If you don't mind... Go ahead. Yes. 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 Thank you. I beg your pardon. That was unfortunate timing. Dr. Rennick, just checking on the delivery of the water. Maybe I should go. Why don't you stay? I don't think I can start again. This has raised the issue of trust. Yes. Yes. You're trying to piece a ruined life back together. I don't believe I use the word ruined. You want to believe that I have what you need. You haven't seen it. You could say. But something tells you... I... Why don't you just start talking? And we'll see how that goes. If you still want to leave in 20 minutes, you can leave. All right. 20 minutes. The sage checks his watch. Do you not typically ask questions? No, no. Well then, why don't I offer some responses to questions I might ask were I in your shoes? Excellent. Yes. The sage does not take his eyes from his watch as Penelope continues. 
I've never been hospitalized for any form of mental illness. I've never been diagnosed with any form of mental illness. I take no medication for any... No birth control? Yes. How long? Fifteen years. Fifteen? Fifteen, but it... The only psychiatric counseling I have received was that which was requisite during my studies, and this with you, which is requisite for my insurance. Now... My mother died when I was very young, but I was told by my siblings that she, too, suffered from... that there was a tendency toward outburst. I was told that by my siblings as punishment whenever I cried for the loss of her. But all healers are wounded, yes? I believe my training and my capacities render me fit to counsel. That said, if I were to walk into a house of mirrors, I fear... I would not be able to see myself. <sighs> I beg your pardon. Would you like some more water? What? Before we begin? I had begun. Yes. Water? The sage tops up Penelope's water, which she had barely touched. The glass is now so full, Penelope can't lift it without spilling. Children. No, but not because I can't. I have chosen not to. I didn't ask you if you had children. I simply said children. Who are you? My apologies. I'm not young. These things can drag on for years. Then speak. Please. Just tell me how you would like me to begin. I sense you have a very distinct idea of how you would like me to begin. So why don't you just tell me? How does one begin? Well... In agonized speech, one might movingly recount the pain it has caused one to obey one's father, to honor one's mother, one might describe the indignities visited upon one by a violent sister, an inquisitive brother, but I have news. There really isn't much to say. You say a few things, I sit by as you do. Penelope opens her mouth to speak, but it's lost. Uh-uh. The soul doesn't necessarily benefit from long, hard work. Or, in fact, from examination of any kind. Its healing is typically achieved more with magic than with effort. Repression has had a bad rap. Desolation is fertile. Garden variety envy gives way, over time, to poisons, potent and fecund. Troublesome grief offers depth. Pathology gives us religion, though eventually. I'm not following you. Yes, yes, you are. I came to you because of professional matters. I gathered that. I may be in crisis. Maybe? I'm starting a practice in this town. I'll be working with living people. Yes. I am obliged to gain some insight into my own biography. Yes. I am not concerned about relationship. I'm concerned about decorum. Surely the highest ideal in life. I agree. I'm not here about children. A husband. You're not here about happiness. No. No, I'm not. 
You're not here to be soothed. No. You're not here for catharsis. No. You're not here to talk about your dreams. Well... Dreams aren't actually part of my practice. And yet, the Freud. Penelope indicates the red velvet bust of Freud. He's a decoy. You're not here about happiness. That's all that matters. Happiness? No, that you're not here about it. Your guilt is your only crime. What guilt? Fig now appears in her bone-white dress and loiters in the shadowy corner. She practically cuddles Freud. Penelope cannot see Fig. The sage can. Let's just get you back in the saddle, Missy. I'm going to make a phone call or two, put in a good word with the concierge at the Nequaga. The Banff Television Festival is on right now. Those mountains right there. Biggest media marketplace on the planet, and we get the runoff. They come to us, Doctor. We'll get you some industry types, some oil wives as well. But I know nothing about oil or the television industry. You'll do no harm. They're much like what you're used to. What? I said call me if you need to. And then, the sage hands Penelope a small gift box. Welcome to the West. Penelope takes the little box, which seems to flare as it catches the light. The sage's fingers make a commando signal at his heart, which catches my eye because it's exactly like the delivery man's signal. Then... The sage disappears. Penelope opens the box. Inside, there's a beautiful pink lady's revolver. Pink lady undercover light double action revolver from Charter Arms, constructed with a pink anodized aircraft grade aluminum frame with brushed stainless steel cylinder and barrel. But then, what do I know? In shadows, like a character in a horror film, Fig watches Penelope. Exterior. Hotel Nakwaga, poolside. A little later, Penelope sits at the bar with her best friend, Columbia, an oil wife. Eight months pregnant, long red hair, tall boots, kimono top. It is magic hour. Little snow falls. Patio heaters blaze like oil rig flame booms. Columbia is radiant in the gaslight. There is an untouched glass of milk on the bar beside her. There is a half-drunk martini beside Penelope, gargantuan olive bright condensation. The friends are flipping through a glossy Hotel Nakwaga brochure. I've spent the last 10 years in Houston, Abu Dhabi, and Dubai, and this is the first place we've lived that I never want to leave. It's got everything. State-of-the-art appliances, bamboo floors, but the building is ancient. Solid. Used to be an abattoir. A what? A slaughterhouse. It's not in the brochures, but my realtor told me. That courtyard was a forcing pen. I googled it. You googled? I googled slate backsplash, tempered glass, and killing floor. 
An oil wife breezes by. Long hair, tall boots. Hey, Columbia. You look amazing. Oh, thanks, Petra. I feel amazing. Can I touch it? Without waiting for permission, Petra touches Columbia's belly. Sure. Boy or girl? Boy. Girl. She's right. It's a girl. And this is my friend Penelope. She's going to be the godmother. Mm, Lucky you. Yes, lucky me. Penny's buying a condo. Here at the Knack? At the moment, I'm staying hotel side. She's buying a condo, though. She's moving in. Perfect. Petra speaks to Columbia's belly. Hello, little baby. Welcome to the world. (laughs) (laughs) That woman is such a cunt. That's the thing that baffles me. She hates everyone, including me. Why she would love my baby, I can't fathom. This baby is eventually going to be just another adult. Just one more heinous adult for that little cunt to hate. The future belongs to the children. The future belonged to us once, too. Now all we are is ex-children. And no one gives a toss about ex-children. You're going to make a terrible mother. Thank you. You have no womb-breast-brain connection. Thank you. Thank you for calling. I'm so glad you've come. Columbia reaches into her huge purse. This is the realtor. Her name is Hope. It means... Hope. Columbia passes Penelope a business card. Penelope takes a sip of her martini. Columbia lifts her milk, but doesn't drink it. God, it's weird to see you pregnant. I want that martini you're drinking more than I want this kid. Columbia? (sighs) I hate being female. In this world, at this time, women are not popular. We're like the environment. Or clowns. Everyone knows we'll never go away, but they wish we would. Women over 35 seem unclean. They desiccate. But, Columbia, women under 35 seem unclean, too. Yes, but under 35, the filth is erotic. I'm 35. The only way I can beat this thing is to have a baby. Then you're culturally palatable again? Then I'm a lioness. Columbia trails her finger through the condensation on Penelope's martini glass. Then your filth is superseded by your power as a birth-giving goddess? Bingo. (laughs) Well, who knows what's going to happen to me down there during the surgery. Surgery? Sorry. Birth. Birth. Possibly surgery. Definitely stitches. Definitely damage. Horrifying, really. But no one gets into that once it's removed. Born. Once there's a baby. Columbia licks the martini condensation from her finger. You should have a kid, too. I don't want a kid. Neither do I. But I'm eating well and not drinking to make sure that it's normal. Calm. Quiet. Columbia lifts the olive from her friend's martini and flicks her tongue at it, absently. Snow falls. It is darker now. The patio heaters blaze. What's that on your lip? Nothing. A cut from a lipstick. You cut your lip on your lipstick? I bought a lipstick, supposedly not tested on animals. I unwrapped it, put it on, and it cut my lip. I squished it between my fingers to see what caused the cut. It was an animal claw. 
What the fuck? Did you return it? No, I took it to the medical concierge. No clinic would touch it. They're going to send it to a lab to see what animal it is. You couldn't tell? They think it's either a cat or a rabbit. Possibly a chicken claw. Rabbits don't have claws. Apparently only things with hooves don't have claws. That's what the concierge said. You should see a doctor. I am a doctor. I put Purell on it. I'm drinking vodka. I have patients tomorrow. I have no time. You have clients already? That shrink you found me has been very effective with the referrals. You like her? Him. Apparently there aren't enough doctors in this town. He does oil wives, right? Starting tomorrow, so do I. And a content provider found me. Through the concierge. The one in the lobby. What's a content provider? I don't know. You're in oil. You tell me. My husband's in oil. I'm in Pilates. You sure you're ready? Back in the saddle. Want to meet men? No. I can get you what you need. A cowboy. A benched flame. Columbia. Aren't godparents supposed to be responsible for the spiritual upbringing of the child? Depends what you mean by spirit. Columbia weirdly wraps her fingers around Penelope's wrist. Just remember this, P. This is a town that knows exactly what's happening beneath the ground, but we have no idea what's happening above it. As Columbia freakily tightens her grip, all lights snap to black, except the patio heaters, which flare. For a brief second, we see Little Fig in the gaslight. She has been watching Penelope. You have been listening to part one of Drama, the pilot episodes, a contemporary Western psychodramedy in four parts. Part two is available now on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods. You can also hear all the episodes at our website, limegreenkitten.ca. This has been a Lime Green Kitten production in association with One Yellow Rabbit Performance Theater, recorded at Infinite Loop. For more information about the show, go to limegreenkitten.ca. Thank <laughs> you.